Thanks for listening to iTruths, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. Wow, thank you, George. Thank you so much. Now, because a couple weeks ago I said you could come in your pajamas and I made it known that I have no pajamas. And Vicky said, you don't sleep in pajamas. And uh, my family thought I needed pajamas. And uh, Alexandra and Miriam have been insisting that I wore pajamas today because, uh, and I'm not, I'm just wearing the bath, matching bathrobe that goes with it. I'm not going to be a shepherd today. Just I'm doing this for my grandchildren. But on one condition, and that is that Alexandra, Miriam, and all your little cousins have to come up here too. Because, come on up. John, John, get up here. Come on, come on, come on. Look at this. Are we looking sharp or not? Come on. Right here. The only thing that is bothering me is why did Vicky not get matching pajamas here? Come on, Helen, let's go. Here we go. Oh, man. Here, I got Colin. I got him. Here we go. How's that man doing? Here we go. Look at that. See, the Hornocks love the stage. Here we go. Actually, they did get Vicky one of those uh, really cool-looking pajamas that she wouldn't wear it today. So, okay, enough fun and games. Oh no, 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 no! Here we go, Helen. Come on, Grandpa's got to go back to work. Here we go, John. You want to preach today? Yeah. This kid's the next Billy Graham. You just watch it right here. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. I told you it'd be a family Christmas. Uh, Vicky just made me inform you that I sleep in shorts and a T-shirt. So... Uh, <laughs> Gym shorts, Nike ones that go to my knees and uh, a big baggy. My favorite T-shirt is the one that we made for Fellowship Bible Church like 30 years ago that says Fellowship Bible. And when George comes home, he's like, man, that shirt still fits, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, it was an extra large I found in the back. So, okay, let's think about this. Christmas on a Sunday? I mean, who? Who made that up? I mean, go figure. I mean, is this not the most inconvenient Christmas you've had? I mean, it really is. I mean, you think about it. The whole routine was kind of messed up because, you know, stockings, night break, nice breakfast, then presents and all this stuff. And we had to fit church in. You know, and for those that said, I ain't doing church, you know, they're just home feeling guilty that they're not here, you know, and it's like, can we get to 12 so we can finally relax and, you know, not feel like pagans opening up all of our presents? I mean, whose idea was that? Christmas on a Sunday. I mean, you'd think that someone would maybe have gotten a little smart and, you know, let's do with Christmas what we did with Thanksgiving and even what we do with Easter. You know, Thanksgiving is the fourth Thursday of every November. I mean, it's just clockwork. You know, in Easter, okay, it's tied to Passover, but we don't do it on Passover. 
because that could be a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Saturday. I mean, we just kind of find Passover and then we go whatever Sunday is closest and that becomes Good Friday and then Sunday. And so that's kind of standard. And it's okay that Easter's on a Sunday because Jesus rose on a Sunday. And what else are you going to do besides hunt eggs on Easter? So you go to church. But Christmas on a Sunday, I mean, it just doesn't work. I mean, it seems like it just messes up our celebration, doesn't it? I mean, why in the world would God not have had someone maybe three, four hundred years ago that said, okay, let's move it to the fourth Thursday of December. That would have been nice because then we could have it. We could have our Christmas Eve on Wednesday. We have Christmas on Thursday, and then we can do all the deals on Friday and Saturday and then come to church on Sunday, and, you know, it would work out nice. What an inconvenient Christmas. You know, uh, those of you that can do the math real quick in your head, I think I've had nine of these because they come about every seven years. And the first one I remember was in 1966. I was eight years old. And I sat and I thought, what in the world? Who made this up? And I'm pretty sure that there was a Christmas about a year on Sunday, about a year after I was born. But uh, the first one I remember was eight when I was eight years old and we had to go to church. And I thought that, man. You know, and, and it was so terrible because I'm the youngest of this big family and everyone wanted to sleep in and eat breakfast. And then we went to church. And I mean, we were diehard people. I mean, we did Sunday school and church, you know, so none of this holiday schedule, you know, we didn't even move the service back, you know. And, uh, you know, I went there and I found out that Galen and Tommy and Donnie and and uh, the other kid, Larry, they all got these really cool presents. And I'd been looking under the tree, and I knew the size of the package that really cool presents came in, and there wasn't any cool presents under my tree, you know? And I'm like, you know, my parents have already moved into retirement. You know, they're just, you know, I'm this afterthought. You know, do they forget and they've got an 8-year-old in the house? Not all of us are 16 years old and above. Inconvenient. You know, I think about that because, you know, when we're thinking about Christmas and it being on a Sunday and for six years in a row, we've been doing this one routine. And then now this year, we've got to fit it in a different way. It's like, huh, how could they make it easier for us? You know, oh, maybe we'll just do Christmas Eve. No service on Sunday. Yeah, but Richard really likes Christmas Eve, so we're going to do Christmas Eve and we'll not do Sunday. Well, now that makes us feel like pagans. So what does Richard do when he gets to a fork in the road? What I always do, I take it, you know? I mean, we're going to do them both, you know? How inconvenient. Have you gotten the point yet? You know, but if you sit and compare the inconvenience that we have trying to celebrate Christmas on a Sunday, and let's, let's just say compare it to what the original observers of Christmas had. Mary. That was kind of inconvenient. Joseph. Yeah, that was inconvenient, finding out your fiancé's a couple months along with someone else's baby. The shepherds. That was inconvenience. The wise men, I mean, good grief, they had to take a year-long trip at great expense. And then 
when they finally did find the baby, they had to get out of town right away. They couldn't even stay and see the sights because there was some deranged old man that kept saying, Antipas, Antipas, we got to, you know. And they had to get out of Dodge just to save their necks. And, you know, I think that if Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and Simeon and Anna and all the other, you know, players of Christmas heard us talking about the inconvenience of Christmas, you know what they'd say? Suck it up, buttercup. I mean, honestly, you haven't seen anything yet. So all that makes me ask a question. Why does God sometimes do things that are so inconvenient? Have you ever thought about that? Why would it be that God would make following him, being involved in him, why would he make that harder, not easier? And Because it, it really is. If you remember the story, when Mary and Joseph went to the uh, temple 40 days after the birth to, uh, to offer the sacrifice of thanks for Jesus' birth, I mean, Simeon comes up to Mary and he's, he's talking about how blessed she is. And then, you know, Mary's already gone through, okay, unwed pregnancy, quick trip to Bethlehem, the baby coming while we're in Bethlehem, Bozo doesn't make a reservation at a hotel. I mean, all these things, it's like 40 days later, we're kind of through the hard part. And what does Simeon say? Simeon looks at her and he says in prophetic words, your heart is going to be pierced. Wow, that's, not, that's more than inconvenience. I mean, it, Mary, it's not going to get easier to be the mother of Jesus. It's going to get more difficult. You know, you look at all the other people in the Bible. When they met God, from a human standpoint, their life got harder, more difficult. I mean, we, we can sit and say, man, they had the joy, joy, joy deep down in their heart. But the truth of the matter is, Paul's life got a lot harder, humanly speaking, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Same thing for Peter, same thing for John, same thing for Matthew. Why does God make it inconvenient? Why might God, in his eternal sovereignty, why might he have chosen for Christmas to fall on a Sunday in 2022? Why this year? Why, why, why ever? That's the question I want to ask and answer. You know, we could come up with a lot of reasons. Because essentially the, the question is, you know, how, uh, you know what, my tight shoe's untied and I'm going to stop it tight. I'm just praying my back didn't go out when I bend over like that. <laughs> okay, here's the deal. 
there's a whole bunch of reasons why God throws inconvenience into your life. It's kind of the question of, you know, why suffering? Why do bad things happen to us good people? And we all know, or at least we should know, those are sermons for another day, God uses bad things to produce some really good things in us. But let me give you what I think is maybe the reason this bad thing of having to have Christmas on a Sunday and trying to figure out how to go to church or Christmas Eve or both and still celebrate Christmas and make it good, maybe why God did it this way. How do we learn? How do we learn? Well, unfortunately, us adults particularly, we learn on a need-to-know basis. We never learn anything unless we have to know it, unless there's some reason to know it. We don't care about how ibuprofen works until we have a headache. And then we find out that, oh, that's interacting with this and this, and we really should take acetaminophen. You know, up until then, you know, we're fine, we're cool with anything. Who cares? Why would I need to know that? But when you find out why you need to know it, then all of a sudden that becomes essential stuff. We learn on a need-to-know basis. And that's really not a good quality about us, is it? Because there's so many things that are really, really important to know, and God wants us to know them because he knows that there is a need in our future. And I think there was a need we have now, probably as much as any time in our lifetime. And maybe, just maybe, God wanted us to know that now more than ever. You know, you think about the season that we're in, and I'm not talking these couple weeks or months. I'm talking about the the last several years and just all the stuff that is going on out there in our culture, gender, identity, you know, the place of God in a person's life, diversity, all that stuff that's out there. There are so many questions that are being asked and and what's happening with our little sector of society. We're getting marginalized, marginalized, marginalized. And it's like all of a sudden we're losing our voice and we don't have the opportunity to speak with any kind of authority. And maybe... God, in his wisdom, said, you know what? As he planned out all of history, he said, at that time, I need my people to remember the core. What what is it that life is all about? Because You know, they're fighting about finances, they're fighting about economics, they're fighting about rights, rights and and privileges and respect and honor and all these things. And it's like God was saying at that time, maybe in December 2022, my people who are called by my name, who need to humble themselves and pray, they need 
a shot in the arm of the most important truth there ever is. Let me read you what that important truth is. If you got a Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. You've heard this quoted probably three or four times just in our services over the last couple weeks. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. The government's going to rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That's a description of Jesus. He's the Wonderful Counselor. He's the one that provides perspective on all of life. He's the one that can come and touch us where our heart is hurting the most. He's that wonderful counselor that can speak into our life with an apt response at the most necessary time. Every one of us have been in a situation when we're hurting and we've had a friend or a loved one, a relative, a spouse, maybe a parent or a kid who will say just the right thing. And we're like, wow, I needed to hear that. You know what? Jesus is that one who can always say just the right thing. It's not the thing we always want to hear, but it's the thing we need to hear, and it's the thing that would be most helpful. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. I mean, not only can he calm the storms on the sea and, and heal the the, the sicknesses of our body or our hearts. I mean, he is the one who holds all of creation together. And my problems, big as they are, your problems, big as they are, the mighty God can handle those. He's the eternal father. I mean, he is the one from the beginning of time until the end of time, and he is outside of time. He's eternal. He's not limited by time and space. And like we talked about last night, he's the Prince of Peace. Turn to another passage with me. Luke 2. Luke 2, verse 11. What is the most important thing? What is the truth that matters the most? For unto us a child is born, a son is given, who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. This is the way the angels put it. Luke 2.11 For today in the city of David there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For to you is born a Savior. See, we needed a Savior. The very fact that God sent a Savior implies something we never really want to admit about ourselves, and that is we're sinners who needed that Savior. But God gave us exactly what we needed and exactly what we needed the most. You know, we're all sitting there thinking through gifts that might have been given to us today 
or over the last, you know, many years as we've celebrated different Christmases. And it's like, man, that was a gift I really needed. Or that, boy, that was a waste of money. I hope I can get the receipt and return it. I mean, it's all tied to need. What was our biggest need? Our biggest need was a Savior. And today we celebrate that that Savior has come, has been given. For unto you is born a Savior, and it's Christ the Lord. It's that mighty God, that eternal Father, who can give and supply exactly what you need. You know, there's so many times Vicki and I will find ourselves in the middle of, you know, kind of a complicated situation. And it's like lots of things are going on. And sometimes I'll say it to Vicki or sometimes she'll say it to me. And it's like we have to just pause and say, okay, what is it we really want? In this mess of a situation with all these competing desires and and elements that are going on and people competing for our time and attention and, and us feeling obligated by peer pressure to do this or to do that, what is it that we really want? And it's like it's an onion and we peel it away, peel it away, peel it away, peel it away. What is it we really want? I think that's maybe the, maybe the way we need to think about Christmas today. Now, in this climate of the way the last several years have gone and the way the next several years are going to go, what God is doing for us today, I think, is he's saying, here's the most important thing you can think about. It's not this political thing. It's not that economic thing. It's not this relational thing. It's not some some other controversy that you're involved in or thinking about or you're watching on the news and you're getting bent out of shape of. Here's the time right now to think about what is most important and what is most important for everyone is that for unto us a child is given. Unto us, a son is given. He he is the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the prince of peace. He's the savior. He's Christ the Lord. Maybe God makes complicated things in our life so that we'll look at that complicated issue and say, what's most important? And we get down to the core of that little onion. And in this complicated time that we're all living in, this complicated culture, this complicated society, this complicated family, all these competing ideas, what In reality, does God want us to walk away with today? He wants us to remember that today we're celebrating that a Savior came to save us sinners. And it was Christ the Lord. Is that that your testimony? 
Is that why you're here today? Have you really and truly come to the place in your life when it's not church, it's not doing this because my spouse wants me to do it or my parents had me do it and we've just kind of gotten in that groove and we're kind of in the Jesus culture. Is it really your Savior because you recognized that you were a sinner and he came to save you? Have you really and truly trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior? And if that's the case, the rest can take care of itself, quite frankly, because that Savior is also the mighty God, the one that can bring peace. Yeah, we maybe have to make hard decisions. We maybe have to negotiate stuff. We have to deal with inconvenience. But all of that inconvenience is there to remind us of what's at the center of all that is true. And that is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And as the Apostle Paul would say, of whom I'm chief. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for just the reminder of what today really is truly is all about. It is not about us. It's not about uh, whether we come to church or don't come to church. Father, it is about Jesus Christ. It is about how you sent him on a rescue mission to save us sinners. And Father, I thank you for the inconvenience that uh, Mary endured and Joseph endured and the shepherds and the wise men and all the other players. Father, I thank you for the, the times we've endured the, quote, inconvenience of trying to figure out how to celebrate your son's birth well. And Father, I pray that all of that would point us back to the core of it all. Lord, I do pray if there's someone here that they're just here because today's Christmas and it's church and so they kind of felt the tug to come, maybe the peer pressure to come. Father, I pray that today they would really be challenged with uh, the thought, is he really their Savior? Have <coughs> they really and truly trusted in him whom to know is life eternal? And so, Father, we just uh, we thank you for the fact that through faith we can have that greatest gift of all, eternal life, a relationship with you that lasts forever. And so, Father, today as uh, people that have gathered for uh, just a couple moments to sing and worship and reflect deeply on what today represents, Father, I pray that we would be... Uh, blessed and encouraged and uh, today's celebration would be all the more rich because we remember that Jesus came to save us sinners. It's in his name we pray. Amen.